like high adventure, come with me. Church family, it's the Blind Spots Podcast. Brother, Deacon, Corey Williams, Pastor Rolo Bernalis. We are here today. We're back, Pastor Rolo, once again, doing another Blind Spots episode. Yes, this is nice. Yeah. It's always good to see my brother, now Deacon Williams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How does it feel to be a deacon all these years? Busy. 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 It's about to get busier. Oh, yes. It's good, though. It's good. So, like like we always do, we got some housekeeping to do. This is the Blind Spots Podcast. I'm Corey Williams. I'm here with Pastor Rolo. Our aim here is to help First Baptist Church of the Lakes to identify spiritual blind spots in order to more faithfully walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the Amen. reason why we're doing this podcast. So We love the church. We want to help them. That's right. That's right. Today, Pastor Rolo has some... Some, some issues today that he want to talk about. I don't have personal issues, <laughs> but I do have a personal issue with something that was said. And so there's an article that came out on One News Now on March 15th of this year. And it's basically stating that Tim Keller uh, believes that if the Christians in the 80s and 90s would have been kinder, gentler with the uh, same-sex community or homosexual activists, uh, he's basically saying that they would welcome us as evangelicals in the year 2021. I'm paraphrasing that. Right. So if we were nicer to them in 80s and 90s, I was a little kid back then. Right. I don't know, were you still drinking Similac or something? Oh, yeah. I was, okay. a, I was a baby. All right. So basically back then, if, if the uh, Christian conservatives would have been nicer uh, homosexuals today would accept evangelicals. So this is what the so article... So basically, if we if Christians would have been nicer to them, they would be nicer to us right now? Yes, that that's uh, the presupposition or the premise there. Okay. And so Keller basically states that the Christian right, uh, as it regards to um, the abortion, you know, obviously opposing abortion, Christians, uh, Bible-believing Christians, we should always fight for truth and always fight for life. We are pro-life people. Why? Because life is precious. God is the giver of life. Right. And so uh, as it relates to opposition of abortion, uh, opposition to same-sex marriage, uh, this is what Keller says. He says, but you know how evangelicals raise their money? Talking about 80s and 90s back then. Mm -hmm. Uh, he says, for 20 years, they sent out letters talking about how you've got to send us money. This is talking about political campaign mm-hmm. funds. You've got to send us money because the gay people are going to try to come and take your children away. And because they're evil and because Democrats and the left are going to destroy your religious liberty. Oh, so he's a prophet. Yeah, he's, he's speaking prophetically there. <laughs> Uh, This article goes on to say, they just said awful things and vilified people. It's one of the reasons why so many gay activists now just don't want to forgive evangelicals. Excuse me, teacher. Yes, you're raising your hand. I have a question. The audience can't see that you raised your hand, but you raised your hand. (laughs) Has Tim Keller ever read Romans chapter 1? Yes. Well, I don't know. 
I don't know if, I'm sure he has. He's a Christian, right? But what he's basically saying is that the situation in America would be much better if conservative Christians would be nicer by not being so vocal in their biblical convictions, their Christian convictions. Then the homosexual community would be nicer to Christians in return. And so it seems that the homosexual community, uh, in return to being or being nice to us, wouldn't be so direct with their agenda in the culture, in mm -hmm. the public mainstream, meaning they wouldn't push their beliefs so hard if we were nicer to them. In the 80s, in the 90s. Yes. Yes. So I think you got a good point, brother. Uh, did he read Romans chapter 1 or Romans chapter 3? Um, because he's really giving a lot of uh, favor and benefit to the human condition. Well, okay. Well, first of all, <laughs> to try, I'm going to try to be as gracious as humanly possible mm -hmm. as I can. I get like, so Tim Keller's in New York City. He's in the heart. He's in the heart of uh, that city's a liberal city. He's in the heart of He's that. He's in the heart of that, all right? So I'm sure he has some parishioners or people who visit his church regularly that are very uh, vocal in that area and probably have said some of these things to him. The problem is the Bible. No, the problem is not the Bible. No, the but I mean, his, pro his problem is that what he's saying contradicts the Bible. Yes, okay? as like, a professing Christian. Right. It's contradicting the Bible. Listen, the scriptures are clear. Jesus said that the world's going to hate you because they hate him. Amen. Okay? And not to mention Romans chapter 1. Homosexuality, right, is the end result of when people... Abandon God and His Word yes. and His law. So that, so the the idea that had you been nicer, I I think okay maybe you know it was some people out there who was uh, might have been crazy and maybe a, a few, but mm -hmm. generally speaking, like he knows this. Okay, he knows that the if you just read a few books, okay, when you reject. Um, a person's homosexual lifestyle and you call it sin. Mm -hmm. They're not taking it as if you're rejecting their lifestyle because it's sinful. They're taking it as a personal attack. As a personal attack. Now, granted, are there Christians out there, conservative Christians, who are trying to stand on God's truth, but yet they presented it, presented that truth in a way that was more personal than biblical. In other words, maybe they got their emotions got the best of them. Sure, I'm sure that, right? that happened. And they didn't present the truth of God in a firm, but yet loving, gracious way. There are Christians who do that. Sure. And if that's what they're doing, they need to really uh, be gracious in how they speak and what they say, and yet still stand on God's truth. Right. They don't have to give up their biblical convictions. Gracious so when and firm. It, yeah, that's right. So when it comes to sexual sin, especially uh, the same-sex community or homosexuality, uh, the question is, what does the Bible say? Right. And Leviticus 20, verse 13 says, If a man lies with a male, 
As with the woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood is upon them. So homosexuality is a sin. But then, if we're to be fair and honest, there is heterosexual sin. Right. Is there not? Yes, but the okay, but what Tim Keller is 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 saying is is that had you been nicer, that's they right. wouldn't be re- responding that's this way. That's his premise. Okay, but that's not true. The reason being is because homo listen, the homosexual community, when when a Christian stands up and says homosexuality, you read a Bible verse and says homosexuality is sin, you should repent and turn from it mm-hmm. and trust Christ. When you say that what they're hearing is bigotry mm-hmm. and hatred for them because for them, it's not just a sexual act. It's not just a sinful sexual act. For them, it's a matter of their identity. It's who they identify as a, as a person. So when a we Bible-believing Christians stand up and say, that's sin, what they're hearing is, is that you hate me. Yeah. No, we don't hate you. Well, no, but that's what... Well, that's no, but the that's, way they think. That's what they're hearing. Right. Okay, so it doesn't matter how nice you are. You could okay. be the sweetest, be most the, gracious, yeah. kindest, soft-spoken yeah. Christian. They're still going to hate that you're attacking right. supposedly their and uh, what, lifestyle. And, and how they're going to hear that is bigotry. Right. They're gonna. They're equating you reading Leviticus and us standing up saying... That homosexuality is a, is, a, is a sin and that God is going to judge that sin and all other sins, right? When they hear that, that is their hearing that is, a, is the equivalent of a, a Klan member saying that they hate black people. Right. Or that they hate people of any person of color. In their mind, it's, a, it's an equivalence. So, Tim Keller, you know this. He you should, know that. He, he knows know that. This. He knows that. Yeah, he's he's giving uh, too much favor as a, in regards to the humanity, uh, in regards to um, the, the goodness, goodness of yeah. humanity. Right. Um, you know, we believe in original sin. That Adam and Eve's sin plunged the entire human race and corrupted them and corrupted us. Right. And so, you know, even 2 Timothy 3.12 says, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be what, brother? Persecuted. Persecuted, that's right. We're going to be persecuted for what we believe. So we could say the most gracious, kindest things to others, and yet um, people are going to persecute or hate what we say they're thinking that it's our our message. It's not our message in the sense that we created it. It's our message in the sense that we deliver it. So this is what our Lord and Savior said. Like, the world loves darkness. Mm-hmm. The world loves darkness. I mean, I, I I agree with you. I think what he's doing here is he's giving them far, he's giving them far, is it he's giving them too much credit. Okay. Too much credit. Too much credit and then ignoring what the scripture says about, listen, homosexuality is the end game according to Romans chapter 1. Mm-hmm. Okay, It's what God did to a group of people who had abandoned him. He turned them over to that. Yeah. The, 
they already left. They were gone already. That's what they wanted, and right. he let them go. Because you exchange the truth about God for a, for lie. a lie, and the result is homosexuality. That's right. That's okay. what they already want. Yeah, so you already abandoned God. These 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 particular people had already abandoned God. So if it if it wasn't, you know, homosexuality that they would have had a problem with, evangelicals or Christians speaking out against, it would have been something else. Right. Yeah. If it's not one thing, it's it another. It would have been something else. But as Christians, we still can be gracious and loving and firm in what we believe. Amen. But if you're a Bible-believing Christian, born again, purchased by the blood of Christ. You know, Matthew 10, 32 applies to us. You know, everyone who confesses me before men, I will confess before my Father who is in heaven. That's our job. Our Sorry. job as Christians is to confess Jesus to the world. And we can do that in a gracious, winsome, but yet firm way. Right? Right. We ought to. We have to. We're commanded to. Absolutely. So I, I disagree with what uh, uh, Tim Keller said uh, in that article. I don't think that even if we were super gracious, super nice, and perfect in all our words and all our actions to the homosexual community, that they would not feel the exact same way that they feel now. Right. Right? Well, so listen. So the church... As far as um, there's a group of people in this country who realize that they have to silence the church. Because the church is in their way. Right. So your, your conscience is screaming at you too much when you got a group of Christians standing up saying, this is what the word of God says, thus saith the Lord. Okay, whether that's about homosexuality, whether that's about transgender, whether that's about um, abortion, whether that's about... Whatever, you pick it. You pick the sin that our society right now is indulging in. As soon as you stand up and, and proclaim the word of God and call people to repentance, unbelievers are going to want to suppress that. They want to suppress or stifle the truth and unrighteousness. Right. And that's what the scripture says. Like, like, Tim Keller knows this. He knows this. You're gonna, they're going to want to suppress the truth. When you start speaking truthfully and honestly, why do you think all the prophets got through, got, almost got killed? Or most of, what is it, Jesus said that Jerusalem, woe to you, Jerusalem. You, you killed the prophets. You killed all the prophets. Why? Because they were preaching, they were calling people to repentance. They hated the message and the messenger. Right. So, I mean, yeah, okay, maybe. Some yeah okay we could have been nicer maybe but that doesn't that's not guarantee you anything that's not going to change the way no. they think and feel about us and you know one of the questions is is the same sex community or homosexual community intent on being quiet the answer is no they're not intent on being quiet if anything they want to go full force and push their lifestyle as normal and they suppress the truth within their own heart, their own consciences, and they know that's wrong. And anybody who stands in their way Correct. is going to be considered an enemy. That's right. And, you know, to piggyback on that idea, um, you know, there's examples out there of the drag queen story hour where public libraries are asking volunteers, primarily men, 
to come in and read books to little children, but dressed up as a drag queen. So a man dressed up as a woman. And you'll see that on the same news article on One News Now uh, on the same date. But I want to read something to you, brother. And this is, this is deeply disturbing. There is a openly homosexual councilman by the name of Jimmy Flanagan. And he's stating that uh, the groups of spreading misinformation about his community, uh, talking about the same-sex community, and these individuals who are the drag queens reading to these young children, one of them was a convicted sex offender who was convicted of aggravated sexual assault on an eight-year-old. So they're not doing any sort of background checks. They're not doing any sort of vetting. They're not protecting these young children. They're just giving these individuals free access, free 100% unabated access to your child and my child and every other person's child. They don't even have to be Christians. But they have access, and this is deeply disturbing. Because when you look at the trend that's happening uh, in the culture, they don't want the Bible in the public square. They don't want the Bible in the public school. No Ten Commandments. Uh, you could talk about evolution, but yet you can't talk about creationism or intelligent design. I mean, it's just getting worse in terms of human depravity and wickedness. That, that, I just, you know what, 20 years ago, if you would have told somebody that we would be having this conversation? We would think you were crazy. Yeah. Like, if you, if you would have talked to my grandfather mm -hmm. about and said to him, one day there's going to be drag queens in the public library reading mm -hmm. story to, stories to children. To your child or my to child. To your grandchild. He would have laughed at you. Yeah. He would, like, he has no framework for that kind of conversation. Mm -hmm. He would have had no framework for that kind of conversation. How we got from there to here in such a short amount of time. 20 years. It's, it's just a testimony to the fact that the church has been asleep at the wheel when it comes to some of this stuff. Where? We have not been inculcating the people about what the gospel is and how it is it ought to be interacting with the world and how we ought to be living and the things that we ought to be doing in the world because this is nuts. Like you can't think that this is normal. I'm no. not shocked. You know what? That shot that right there that you got a person, a drag queen, a man pretending to be a woman and he's a, a pedophile. Mm -hmm. That don't surprise me. I'm not surprised by that at all. That's not yeah. a shock to me. Well, it'll be very interesting, brother, um, what's going to happen in 10, 15, 20 years from now. So the church needs to be the church and continue to share the gospel in grace. And That's love. right. Amen. Right. Pastor Rolo, you know, I, one, of my, one of my favorite pastimes is to make you lose your hair. It's almost complete. <laughs> I think I got one left. Look, I got, I got, I got a, I got a treat for you here, Pastor Rolo. You want to hear something? Listen to this. Yes. We're gonna play a game today. Remember that those old '70s game shows? Yes. 
I got a game show for you today, Pastor Rolo. What is it called? That's your interpretation. Oh, no. <laughs> for, you, for you that don't know, I love calling Pastor Rolo and sending him emails and videos and clips of people that say crazy things and just watch his reactions. It's, yes, it's I, actually amusing. Church family, I need you to pray for Brother Corey, <laughs> Deacon Williams, because he loves sending me video clips that cause me great anxiety. We got another one today, Pastor Rollo. Okay. So we're going to play that show interpretation. Okay. So here's the premise of the game. I'm going to play a clip some of somebody interpreting a Bible verse. And you're going to tell me what's wrong or right about it. Okay? okay. You got it? Okay. All right. Get ready. Did you know that there's a part of the Gospel of Mark where Jesus uses a racial slur? In Mark chapter 7, there's the account of the Seraphonician woman, a woman who is Syrian and Greek, both of which there were strong biases against within the Jewish community. And she comes to ask Jesus to heal her daughter who's possessed by a demon. And what is Jesus's response? He says, it's not good for me to give the children's food, meaning the children of Israel's food, to dogs. He calls her a dog. What's amazing about this account is that the woman doesn't back down. She speaks truth to power. She confronts Jesus and says, well, you can think that about me, but even dogs deserve the crumbs from the table. Her boldness and bravery to speak truth to power actually changes Jesus' mind. Jesus repents of his racism and extends healing to this woman's daughter. I love this story because it's a reminder that Jesus is human. He had prejudices and bias, and when confronted with it, he was willing to do his work. And this woman was willing to stand up and speak truth. Passarello, talk to me. Oh. <laughs> you know, we have a word <laughs> in my family growing oh, up. Lord. The word is called basura. That means it's garbage. Man. That is just terrible interpretation of the Bible. As soon as I saw that, I was like, I got to send this to Pastor Rowan. I, I know. <laughs> you need to stay off YouTube. Um, I told you, look, you listen, if I got to listen to this nonsense, <laughs> okay, you got to listen to it too. Oh, uh, no. Man, like, this is so bad. It's like, terrible. Okay, first of all, just blasphemy. Right, like, right out the gate. Yeah, he's he, he didn't say it positively, but passively he's saying that Jesus is a sinner. Right. He's, no, he actually just came right out and said it. Yeah. Jesus is a Jesus was a racist. Well, the Bible talks about clearly in Hebrews 4.15 that Jesus was tempted in every way like we are, yet without sin. Without sin. He is perfect. He is the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. He is the Savior and the Son of God. Jesus is God. He is perfect. So to say what he said was blasphemy, I wouldn't even say near nearly blasphemy. It is blasphemy. Well, okay, first of all, so we did a we did a episode about the congressional opening prayer. Oh, yes. That thing. And so this guy is doing the same thing. G for this guy Jesus isn't God. He's he's got G to this man whoever this guy is, Jesus is just another man with sin. He's not yes. a, he's not a savior. He's not a spotless lamb. He does nothing for you in terms of your salvation. He's just he's just another person. He's just another another. Yeah, that's what he says. He says Jesus is human with prejudices and biases and he repents. Cuz if what he's saying is true, which obviously it's not. It's not biblical. He can't pull it out of the Bible. 
But if that's true, there's no hope for you. There's no hope for me. And actually, there's no hope for anyone. Hey, it's craziness. Listen, so, hey, listen. Okay. <laughs> Exegetically, here's the problem, okay? He's making an error, a huge error. Huge, huge major error. error. Let me tell you what he's doing. He's taking his personal theology, his personal beliefs, and he's taking him to the Bible and eisegeting him, the Bible, the text. He's, For those who don't know in the audience what eisegete means, what is that, brother? He is imposing onto the Bible passage what he wants to say and what he already believes. He is not allowing the passage to speak for itself, but he went to the text with a presupposition and imposed that idea onto the passage. He just already had these ideas in his mind about that's, that's all of that uh, woke social justice talk when he was mm -hmm. saying... Uh, doing the work and all of it. Like, what are you talking about? Jesus doing the work. Like, okay, first of all, stop. That's not, the, is there such a thing called a, a thorough intent? Okay? Authorial intent. The author was trying to convey an idea, right? That's, right? That's your job when you're doing interpretation to find out what that author meant. You're not supposed to take your ideas, your 20, 2,021 ideas of social justice and put them on the text. You're supposed to get it out of the text. Pull it based out of the text. What the, based on what the author meant, right? So when you do that, Pastor Rolo, the scripture has no authority. The scripture yeah. is not authoritative to you when you, that, the, the scriptures are not authoritative to this man. No, it's not. No. You're supposed, to, you're supposed to submit your thinking and your ideas and your understandings and your beliefs to what God has revealed to his people in Scripture. That's what he's supposed a to be amen. doing. Amen. Okay. And if you listen carefully to what he said, did you notice what he did not say? What's that? He didn't give even the full story of Mark 7, the Syrophoenician woman. The woman brought her daughter to Jesus to be healed. But he didn't even say what the real problem with the daughter was. The daughter was demon-possessed. Hmm. The daughter was possessed by a demon. This is not a physical problem. This is a spiritual problem right. that requires supernatural power from God himself <laughs> to fix this problem that no human could ever fix. So listen. That's a key part of that right. text. No, absolutely. And he left that out. Well, because remember what we're talking about here. We're talking about that's your interpretation. We're talking about properly interpreting the Bible. Okay? So, sure, we all come to the to the scriptures with cultural and 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 and, and linguistic personal. and personal and ethical baggage. Sure, whatever. Okay, but you have to be aware of that and give an account for it. And then when you go to the scriptures, you need to be examining what has the church said about this particular passage in the past. Like, if you're the first dude saying what you're saying, it's, it's probably heresy. Right? A high probability. So when we do theology, it's not disconnected from the rest of the church. That's right. It's not disconnected from the church that you're in today, nor is it disconnected from the church in the past. Right, so church history is important. Right, because historical theology matters. Listen, the Holy God poured the Holy, uh, the, Jesus secured the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter two, poured it out on the church at Pentecost, and since the inception of the church, there has been men 
endowed by the Holy Spirit to interpret the scriptures. You and I, Pastor Rolo, you know what? We're slaves to the time that we're in, mm-hmm. right? So we do come to the scriptures with a certain viewpoint, but our brothers and sisters of the faith from the 14th, 15th, 16th, 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 5th centuries, they help us get out of that and rightly interpret the scriptures. That's right. And so, listen, I this man, he this man, I guarantee you never looked at no historical theology. He would have failed right? every hermeneutical class I could think of. And D.A. Carson in his book, Exegetical Fallacy, says that the best way to cultivate heresy and shallow traditionalism is to ignore historical theology. To ignore what the church has said in the past. I think he's got a good point. Right? So if you got a new or novel interpretation of a passage of scripture, or you got some quote-unquote new revelation, it's from our charismatic brothers, you get some new interpretation of scripture that nobody else ever had, I can almost guarantee you Pastor Rolo is heresy. You know, uh, the only thing that this individual said that was accurate is the word dog. <laughs> I mean, he did. Did he read? Did he even read the Bible verse? Uh, yeah, he he got he got that word right. The <laughs> word dog is definitely derogatory, right. and that word is simply about table fellowship as it relates to Jew and Gentile fellowship, right? Salvation is from the Jews. We see that in John chapter 4. So when we think about this, this is talking about the plan of salvation, that salvation comes from the Jews first, then to the Gentiles. So this dog uh, terminology is definitely derogatory. I'll give them credit for that. But if you look at the rest of that text, this Syrophoenician woman agrees that she's a dog. She agrees that she's a Gentile. She doesn't even try to fight that. And yet salvation came to the, yeah. her daughter in the sense of Jesus and his kindness and grace. Uh, who, what, what's the word I want to say? Excommunicated the demon out of the daughter. I don't know what this dude is trying to prove. Other, maybe he's just trying to be provocative. Okay, but he failed. You he know failed. Yeah, so what are we giving him today? That's what he gets today, Pastor Rolo. He gets an F. He gets an F. He gets an oh. F in hermeneutics. <laughs> listen, listen to me. But here's the mistake. We conservative Christians, Bible-believing conservative Christians cannot make. Okay? Because the way he's interpreting the Bible is the logical conclusion of the way I've heard a lot of quote-unquote, conservative Christians interpret the Bible. Sad but true. Let me give you an example of what I mean. 2 Chronicles 7.14, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my faith and turn from their wicked ways, then I will will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. If you read that... He's talking about the United States of America. And read that he's talking about the United States of America, you're doing the same thing that this dude did. I'm joking, church family. He's not talking about <laughs> He is not United talking about the United, United States, States of America. America. And my personal favorite, the the probably the most misinterpreted Bible verse in all of Christianity is Philippians 4:13. Philippians 4:13. I can do all things through Christ. I can throw a football 100 that yards with nothing, my left arm with three fingers. Nothing to do with you shooting a basketball or playing or swinging a, a baseball bat. Literally nothing to do with that. 
you know what? You really know how to steal a man's dream. That's right. I'm here. I'm an encourager. Yes. That's what I do. Listen to oh. me. So here's the mistake that we can't make. Okay? We can go interpret the Bible like he did. And it's not based on what we feel no. and what we think. What like, is the author's intent when right. he stated it? When you go grab Second Chronicles or Jeremiah 29, 11, and think that's talking about you. No. And rip it completely out of context. Then you're no different than this dude. Yeah, that's right. You actually paved the way for him to do what he's doing. He, he's the logical conclusion of a lot of nonsense we've heard over the years in, quote, in supposedly Bible-believing churches. Right. So I'm going to give him one more of these, Pastor Rolo. <laughs> Good goodness gracious. It's ridiculous. Church family, Brother Corey is having too much fun with this <laughs> machine over here. So. Listen, we got to get out of here. We are already over time. So, man, I just, I just, oh, my goodness, this dude, he, we got to. We got to do more work. Well, we got to. We're pray not the for kind him. of work he's talking about, though. Uh, like no, we got to pray for him. Work. The Lord saves him, changes <laughs> Lord his heart. Jesus. When a good king would take over in Israel or Judah, he would get rid of idols and false religion in the land. But even good kings wouldn't take down all the high places. They were so entrenched in the culture, and seemed so normal that the good kings didn't think to remove them. The high places were blind spots. The people couldn't see what they represented until the high places were torn down and the blind spots exposed. This is the Blind Spots Podcast, church family. Thank you for listening. All right, thank you.